1: You are listening to Red Carpet Rendezvous with your host, Lauren Conlon.
0: Welcome to Red Carpet Rendezvous. I'm your host, Lauren Conlon. So I'm thrilled to share today's episode with you as my guest is the legendary television host, Montel Williams. Um, I seriously love him and I was just so excited to talk to him and I don't know, kind of nervous at first too, but he just had this really calming effect about him um, and sort of just a warmth to him that I really appreciated. And it just really put me at ease. So everyone knows Montel had his own Emmy award-winning talk show, The Montel Williams Show, for many years, but he also was in the U.S. Marine Corps and the U.S. Navy before he jumped into his career in the media, which is pretty awesome. So, um, So right now, Montel hosts a show on Lifetime called Military Makeover, where he makes over the homes of these military veterans. And, you know, you can tell on the show that he is just really... Changing their lives. So he's obviously always been a big supporter of the vets, um, which I think is awesome. Now, Montel has also been living with MS since 1999, which we didn't really touch upon in our interview. Um, I guess I just didn't really find a way to bring it up, but we do talk about a lot of things and um, we talk about. You know some current events with um, what's going on in the world right now, and um, I don't know. I think you guys are really going to enjoy I'm just our interview. Jump right so take. In. So I Montel. don't take up too much of your time, but there's a lot of things going on right now in the world. Um, specifically, this week, what's really captured my attention is Hollywood um, dropping people from their shows because of of racist tweets and HBO Max decided to um, remove Gone with the Wind from their streaming service. What do you think about all this? Do you think that people are doing the right thing? Do you think it's about time?
1: I, I think, you know, I, I don't understand how we survive as long as we have in a climate and in an environment where hate has been so systemic throughout our entire society. Mm-hmm. How have we survived this way to date? And why do we question now when it's time to do the right thing? I mean, I think we should have done some of these things years ago, and now people are feeling guilted into doing things that they knew they should have done years ago.
0: Right. That's that's very interesting. Um. And and with everything that's happening, how do you think that the media is handling this? How do you think the politicians are handling this? It's you know, it's, it's a lot. I know you. can it goes, Yeah, case by case, but but yeah, it's, it's a lot.
1: I mean, I think, you know, the media is trying its best to do what we always do. And that is even in a time of crisis, they go for ratings. You know, we're trying to pay the bills, people want to get get income, money coming in. Mm-hmm. And so we have been a society that always seems to pander to our lowest salacious common denominator. And I think it's time that we reevaluate every aspect of American society, or there will not be an American society left. I mean, I think you, you say from Hollywood to the politicians to media, I think we're all to blame for where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those who have been silent for way too long and have just wanted to get along with the status quo which has been hate right below the surface of the boil, are now realizing that the chickens are coming home to roost. (laughs) And we're not gonna get any further if we don't address these issues, period. You know, I mean, it's been time, it's been a long time, it's been hundreds of years coming. And if you look at the last 150 years when we fought the Civil War and one half lost, There's no other country on a planet where the country allows monuments to the losers of civil rebellion.
0: You're so we're the only
1: country. We're the only country that's allowed that and, and claim that, well, we want to be proud of our, of our heritage. Ask a Russian if they're proud of Stalin.
0: Yeah, Right.
1: Ask a German if they're proud of Hitler. Yeah. Why are we proud of those who raped, murdered, stole, and yeah. did everything they could to hit the lowest common denominator of man. Why are we now acting like that's a proud memory yeah. in our heritage.
0: It's it's uh, it's almost surreal. I guess that we're even still having this discussion. I guess I don't mm-hmm. know how else to put it where it's like it's like you said it's surreal and it's almost like why is this a discussion. Why is
1: equality. even? That's not the nature. That's not the nature of the beast and the beast is mankind. It's a species on the planet that lives for self-preservation. It's what It's is the base root of our genes is to preserve life and be able to hit a point where you can procreate. That's the only reason why we exist. And we exist and we will get past or we will, we will abuse anything that's going to come between us existing, procreating, and dying. That's what we're gonna do. That's what human beings are. And so anything that threatens our little you know, one inch of space on this planet, we are going to take up arms against. Yeah, and you know I don't know. You know I, I honestly thought man had evolved over the course of the last millennia, but clearly we haven't. Yeah. We we're the same human beings that we were two thousand years ago, mm-hmm. four thousand years ago. We were hunters and gatherers, trying to take control of that one yeah. inch of space under our feet, and anybody who comes in the way, we're going to challenge.
0: Yeah, so true. Um, and you um, you narrated a film for chosen. And this was back in 2008. Sure. Yes. And, yes. And did this whole thing just bring you back? Were you like, what the hell? I mean, why? Or is it just like, you know what? This is so sad. This is just happening every day all the time. But so,
1: you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. And, you know, a lot of people don't like to hear it, but my skin is black. My skin is brown. And this has been my life. Not just one incident to in my life. This has been my life since childhood. I mean, you know, I've had to grow up in a, in a place where I felt as if, the majority at the time didn't want me to be a participant. I ask the question all the time. And I ask the question now. And I think it's one you could ask as you start, you know, interviewing people and you're you're talking and interacting. But what is it that the other side wants? What is it that those people who hate want? Do they want entire races of people to disappear off the planet? Do they think that this planet was put here so there could be only one race of people? Mm-hmm. And if that's what they thought, what are you going to do when you end up with one race of people? Then you're going to hate the shorter version of that race of people, and then once you get rid of all the short ones, you're going to hate the ones that are within one inch off of what you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that what we are? We are just a species that wants to hate and can't understand that there's value in preserving the species if we work together.
0: Of course, and that's that's something that I I think I'm trying to to teach my kids as well, um, and I. I spoke to my friend who I mentioned started the Buy Black 30 Challenge. And we had this conversation about, you know, as parents, if you asked me two months ago, I would have told you that I, I thought the right thing to do for my kids was say don't see color. You shouldn't see color. Everybody is the same, blah blah blah. We all thought that was the right thing to do until my friend was like, "You know what? If you do that, you're teaching her not to appreciate other cultures and other people and that we're all the same and we're not all the same." And and that doesn't have to be bad. It's just it's so, you know, it's so eye-opening, I guess. Um just, like for me, well, you know, I guess
1: I guess the truth is that we all share ninety-nine point nine percent of the same gene. All of us, no matter what color we are, no matter what race you are, no matter where you are on the from on a planet. When you look at the the chromosomal genetic code, human beings all share ninety-nine point nine percent of the exact same gene. So, really, in some ways, your friend was right when you say color really isn't important. You know, when we think of culture, culture is important. That's the differences between the genetic code in human beings and that culture is there based on your geographical location on the planet. Mm. I mean, you know, if you're from the Mediterranean, you lived a life that was more centered around, you know, water and making sure that you, you know, gravitated to the water that was available to you. If you mm-hmm. live a life on a landmass that's not filled with a lot of water, you were more gravitating to farming and things of that nature. So, you know, right. look at the way you dressed. You dress based on, you know if you were closer to the equator you dressed in colors and in and cloth that covered your skin to keep you from dying from you know sun poisoning if you live mm-hmm. further far, north and away from the equator you dress warmly so that you didn't die from okay. the elements yeah so, i mean culture is the thing culture is the thing that really is what should bind us because of our interest in other things but it's what separates us and is going to continue to separate us, us until we stop and pay attention and hit this on the head and figure out that it took all of us to get here and it's going to take all of us to get any further.
0: Yeah, and I, you're, you make a lot of good points and I just, yeah, I don't know when it's going to um, get through to some people, but. Um, it,
1: it, it, it may start to get through when we finally admit that there's aliens or that there, you know, some some alien spacecraft, I mean, you know, recently, <laughs> recently when you see sure. that the, the military and the, the, the government has released film and videos showing unidentified objects that we clearly can't explain. It, I
0: love are. that stuff. I love that so much. I'm such a nerd for that.
1: Well, that may <laughs> be the only thing that may be the only thing that unites man when man has something collectively to hate.
0: Well, <laughs> it's so bad, but it's it's also so true. Um, but you are a military man. Um, you were in the Navy and the Marine Corps, and then you made this transition to legendary television host um so just moving over to a, a brighter topic of, of you sure. how did you make that transition
1: it was a crazy crazy time and that the timing had a lot more to do with it than i think anything else but this is back in the you know late 80s i'd started a program where i was speaking around the country uh to kids about what was then negative youth trends and was featured on a lot of television programs across the country hmm. a lot of television specials across the country um, and I had a, a couple of people who saw that. I mean, I did a couple of programs that won the Best of Gannett Award for the year. This is 1989, 1990. So people who saw that, I was involved in a, a big national campaign around the first motion picture, the move Motion Picture Glory, where okay. I worked to help get that movie distributed in every school across the country as part of the national school curriculum. Wow. And I did a, a leader intro to that uh, for the company that was, producing it at the time or or, or distributing it at the time which was pepsi and uh that ended up on the desk of the person who actually produced the movie and he looked at it and said hey pal what are you doing on my movie and <laughs> uh his name was freddie fields and um, <laughs> i'll never forget i went to see freddie fields on uh the day before christmas eve hmm. uh 1990 and by you know uh uh, January 12th, I was in contract negotiations for my own t- national television show.
0: Oh, my gosh. Did you have to pinch yourself? Like, that's so I incredible. Myself. I mean, were you like, wow, this is amazing. Like, this is, that's incredible. It was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy.
1: But at the same time, I I, I had paid some dues. I, I, I had already won a local Emmy as a talk show host for a show that I had done out of Denver, Colorado called The Fourth R Kids Rap About Racism. And I did that in, like, in 1989. and. Yeah. So I had already had a taste of television, and then this validated that you know maybe I didn't know what I was doing, and so I went ahead <laughs> yeah. and transitioned out of the military, and uh, bingo bang I flew to LA and did my first practice show. I think it was May eighth, and went on the air on May eleventh.
0: I just got like full body chills <laughs> just because I love that. I love that. It's it's you know for people like me it's it's our dream here. So. Uh, the, the chills are amazing. And what did you what were you thinking your first show? Were you like, I mean, did you like crap your pants? Like what happened? <laughs> Excuse my language.
1: It, it was it was insane because I literally did a show in a makeshift studio. Um, and we weren't we thought I, I shot three practice shows and mm-hmm. then one of those three practice shows ended up being the first show that aired. And I oh. was supposed to be thrown in a can. So I really wasn't even ready. And but when I started on television, I didn't even recognize that the little light on the top of the camera was called the tally light. That's the one that's on to shooting you. So it it took me a long time to transition from, you know, active duty military to talk shows, but uh, it was a fun transition and it worked.
0: That's so, so incredible. I, I do. I just, I love that. Um, and and like I said, you deserve it. You did. You paid your dues and and you're a legend. Um, but I also wanted to tell you just randomly, I love your military makeover show just because of people that, that don't know that, you know, that show changes the homes and the lives of veterans, which to me is such an important cause and just super random, but you were in Lincolnton, North Carolina. My mom is from there. And uh-uh. we literally went there every summer. I showed my mom your Instagram. I was like, oh my gosh, look. And she was like, I kind of feel bad. He's there. There's nothing to do there.
1: Uh-uh. Well, you know, the town showed up. Lincolnton showed up. And that's that's the thing that's so really good about yeah. the show. Is that you know, we employ or we utilize the services of volunteers from the community. And most of these communities, especially small towns like that, everybody shows up. I mean, I think we probably had 50 to 60 volunteers a day that were helping us do this, this makeover. And, you know, what you don't know is that because the show airs every Friday morning on Lifetime, 8.30. Yeah. It airs in five to six episodes for each makeover. But those makeovers are done in 10 days. And so we need the community to show up and be right. there. And to help us, and you know, not only do they show up to do that work and swinging the hammers and painting, but they also volunteer. They also donate a lot of the things, a lot of the services that we have—from flooring to roofing to electronics—all are donated by local vendors.
0: That's incredible. I mean, yeah, it's it's a small town, and they have really good barbecue. But I'm thinking you might have needed a translator. Those accents are thick. <laughs> I mean, those are some heavy, heavy accents.
1: <laughs> it, was, it was a wild experience.
0: Yeah, right. Um, So just again, on a lighter note, um, what are you watching on TV right now that you find interesting that you would recommend to people?
1: Um, I and my wife are a Netflix junkie. So we kind of like just, you know, find a show. And in three or four days, we binge watch until it's all gone. If it's two seasons worth. We just (laughs) finished one. We just finished the show, Dead to Me. Oh, love that show. So good. I, I, I would say when we're actually watching right now, Queen of the South.
0: Oh, yeah, like, yeah I, I, I started that. I haven't, I haven't finished it, but
1: yeah. I kind of like that one. You know, I, that's, a, that's one of those Narco kind of shows, and we've done a few of those in a row. Yeah. We watched one of those called Zero, 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 which was really good, only one season episode. Of that. What is that? That's Netflix? No, that one I think might have been Prime.
0: Okay. Wait, do you love Dead to
1: Me? Um, you know, I loved Dead to Me until the last, until the last five minutes. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> and, and and that's how I'm starting to feel about a lot of these series that mm. you know, they're great until it's almost like somebody says, "Oh, we got, it, we're done. We're not getting the next season. Close
0: it." I know, right? It.
1: Yeah, I know, and that's and so then,
0: funny because season one of Dead to Me, I felt was super strong. I like season two, but not as much as season one, right?
1: Really? Yeah, like, I like season two. I even like season two through to man uh, the last three episodes, kind of. Yeah, like, yeah.
0: That's yeah. that's so but, funny. But, we're but, totally aligned. <laughs>
1: Yeah, clearly somebody told them that they weren't getting picked up for another season, so let's end this thing. And that's, that's like all of them now. Every one of them is the same way. You, know, you watch them, and then you know, they're right. so good, and then boom, they're gone. We did, also you, watched, did you watch O'Zark? Oh, of course. I was yeah, all, okay. I was like, oh, that was good. That, so that was over the top.
0: Yeah, oh, but good.
1: Really good. Yeah. Really good, I'm, I'm hoping that they come back with another one. I love Yellowstone and I know Yellowstone is coming back.
0: Oh my gosh, I, that's you so know. funny. I just started that because my parents and my sister are like, that's the best show on TV. You need to watch it. So I just started that.
1: It, but again, see, they ticked me off a little bit with that one too. I'm not trying to be a, you know, a, 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 you know giving you a, a <laughs> yeah. dream killer, but yeah. they could have transitioned better between last season and the new season.
0: How many seasons are like there? There's like Well,
1: there's three but there's a new one coming out I think at the end of this month
0: oh yeah I need to I need to get on that all right I got I've got a lot of catching up to do um so this is also very random but I just want to know who has been your favorite person that you've ever interviewed or one of them
1: well, you know, it's really funny. A lot of people, I, like, I, my show ran for 17 years. I did over 3,000 shows. I, and back when I was doing my show, I was one of those people that averaged eight guests per show. So if you think about that, I had 24,000, 25,000 people seated on the stage right next to me.
0: Yeah, so you me. never slept, basically, is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. <laughs> only didn't sleep, but, you know, it's hard to pick the one person out of 25,000, 26,000 people. But I remember, yeah. I, I remember having done a show... Um and I'm sorry, I, right now I don't know what a young man's name is has slipped my my memory.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I did a show about a, a little a young man who uh, was seven eight years old, little boy who uh, was uh had a single mother, mother was a military veteran mm-hmm. who found out um you know that she was dying of a brain tumor, and mm-hmm. for an entire last year of her life. She basically, she became very paranoid. That was part of the, one of the symptoms from the brain tumor, but she didn't want her son to be a, uh, fall into foster care. So she started teaching this little seven-year-old boy how to take care of himself. And I think he was eight when she passed away, but she taught him everything about how to cook. She put money aside over the course of the last year in envelopes, for all of the bills for her house. It showed him where the where it was in the closet.
0: He's seven. So Oh my God. He's eight
1: years old. So the mother passes away and dies on the kitchen floor.
0: Oh God, okay.
1: This little boy covered his mother's face with a towel and poured bleach over her so he didn't smell the decomposition.
0: Oh my gosh, oh and my then, God.
1: Then he went ahead and lived his life for the next six weeks in that home alone.
0: Hold on. Are you kidding?
1: Nope. One of the it was one of the ma- most amazing interviews that I've ever done because I remember oh my god it was on it was it was just almost too oh. he was he was so grown he literally would go to the closet, grab out the electric bill, go down to the electric company, hand over an envelope with money in it to pay the bill.
0: Oh my gosh. Wait and I'm gonna try.
1: My mother sent me to pay this and he did that and he was not he was only caught when a former friend of his mother's had not heard from her so she drove about five states to come and see if she was home but at the same time he had told another little boy in his class that his mother had died he was cutting his own hair oh my god he was doing taking care of himself And he brought this little boy over to the house uh, to show him that the fact that his mother died. And at the same time he did that, this friend shows up and they find out that he was literally there. And it was amazing because I ended up doing a second show because some people volunteered to adopt him. him Oh
0: my gosh.
1: Yeah, amazing show.
0: That is so amazing. And that is like, you just sit there and you're like, this is why I do this. So I can, you know, so you can create joy and create change and create happiness.
1: Yeah, but you know, I got to tell you though, when we look back, I look back at those, you know, thirty three hundred plus shows thirty two hundred plus shows talk at its time and during that time was a game changer in America there were so many things that really were created out of talk some of them you might think are negative but the entire idea of reality tv was born out of talk right and the fact that you know things like you know latches and trunks of cars to open from the inside came from talk there were so many people being kidnapped at the time. We would never have had discussions about AIDS or HIV had we not had talk TV. We would have never had discussions about LGBT if we not had talk TV. I remember I interviewed some of the, the survivors of some of the most the earliest you know uh mass shootings in America. We would not have had the discussions that we had we would not have had the interview style that we had today if it was not for talk then. I completely We might not even have the president that we have today if it wasn't for talk.
0: Oh God, you're right. You're right. Oh, no. Yep.
1: Reality TV. I got to take, yeah. take good with the bad.
0: <laughs> Reality TV. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Well, Montel, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Um Thanks for Yeah, I really appreciate it. My podcast comes out every Wednesday. So that Um, was Montel. He's so chill, right? (laughs) I was just so impressed with him. Um, One thing that occurred to me, I referred to a documentary that he narrated called Four Chosen. And I just want to um, clarify, for those of you that haven't heard of it, it's about the shooting of four black men on a highway. They were pulled over. Um, and they were actually on their way to play in a basketball talent showcase, kind of minding their own business. So, um, it was very tragic and unfortunately not very far removed from what we're seeing more and more of in this country. Um, but yeah, nevertheless, truly tragic. And I encourage you guys to, um, look it up or even watch it. But anyway, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Montel. Um, and I hope the Zoom interviews are, are okay for everybody. I know um, some people are probably getting sick of them, but hopefully um, you guys are enjoying mine. So don't forget to rate and subscribe on Apple. Until next time.
1: for listening to Red Carpet Rendezvous. Until next time.